But if you, if you do have your Bibles, I, I would encourage you to open it to the book of Leviticus, chapter 20. Leviticus is the third book in the Bible, so it's easy to find. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And I want to read a couple of verses to you as... If you've been to church the last couple of weeks, you know I've been emphasizing this reality of a holy God who is looking for a holy people. Leviticus 20 verse 7 says this. It says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. And that is the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? I want to talk to you about being a consecrated people. Because if we're going to see the fullness of God's will, we must be fully consecrated unto him. The Lord does not compromise who he is. The, the Lord does not compromise his standards. The Lord does not compromise his decrees. And he says, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Oh, the book of Leviticus is not an easy book to read. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know that this is the book of the law. I remember when I first got saved and I fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with the Bible. I read every single book in the Bible. I couldn't get through Leviticus though. So I skipped it. And then I got convicted. I'm like, how can I say I read the whole Bible if I'm not reading the book of Leviticus? And to be honest with you, the first time I read Leviticus, I felt like I was pulling teeth to try to get through it because it's very dense and it's very methodical. It's very like bland. It's not an easy book to read. But I decided to do a deep dive into it to really appreciate it, to really understand it and to really have a better understanding of it because if the Lord is giving us his word is for a reason, a purpose. And if if I'm missing it. It's not because of God. It's because of me. There's a purpose and a reason why God gave us all these 66 books that we call the Bible. And so after doing a deep dive into this book, and I'm doing it again, I'm actually in the middle of it. My, my kids the other day heard me. Uh, they, they, they were with me, and I'm listening to this commentary on the book of Leviticus, and they're like, Dad, what are you listening to? <laughs> and I'm like, this is the stuff that I do. You know, I listen to things like this. But my friends, I, briefly, I want to tell you that this book is extremely revolutionary. It's actually a progressive book if you understand the context of it. It's actually considered to be the second book in the Bible, not the third book, because most scholars agree that Genesis is just the template of what God did to create the world and get things rolling, but that the, the story really begins with Exodus when God liberates his people 
from Egypt. And that if you study, you know that Egypt is a symbol of slavery and sin, that all of us are basically coming out of a form of Egypt, a form of slavery, a form of bondage, a form of living life outside of God's will. And so when we get to Leviticus, it's powerful because this is God helping his people understand now, here's how you live a free life. See, if you've been slave for so long, all you know is the slave life. So God had to stop and say, I got to give you methodical understanding of how to actually live a free life. Because they say the hardest thing is not freedom, it's staying free. Well, we do prison ministry. They say 84% of, of inmates will go back to prison because they don't know how to actually live free. So the struggle is not freedom. The struggle is how to stay free. And if you battle any type of addiction, you know what I'm talking about, that the hardest thing to do is to actually stay free, is to stay clean. And so God knowing this, that, man, I'm taking you out of Egypt, but it's not easy to get Egypt out of you. You know the saying, right? You can take a kid out of the ghetto, but the ghetto, man, the ghetto will show up. You go from Kanye to Yee. You go from being a billionaire to a millionaire very quickly when the slavery is still in there. So here, my friends, is God helping us and helping his people understand how to actually live a free life and stay free. So he has to give you very methodical approach to living because if you've ever struggled with any type of addiction, you know structure is your best friend. The last thing you want, if you want to live a free life, is to live a chaotic life. Because chaos will always bring you back to bondage. Chaos will always lead to destruction. So the best thing that God can do for us is teaching us how to have a structure for our life because the best thing that can happen to anyone who wants to be free is to have structure. If you want to raise healthy kids, you got to give them structure. The last thing a kid needs is to live however he wants to. I'll never forget working in a group home when a 15-year-old said to me, and he had a moment of epiphany, he said, I probably wouldn't be here if my parents were more strict with me. So freedom and the ability to stay free requires structure. You have to have a structure for living if you want to live the right way. And not just the right way, but if you want to live the righteous way. Right? So here God is trying to teach his people, here's how you actually live the normal life according to my will. Not normal according to slavery. See, it's, isn't it interesting when you come to the Lord, you realize a lot of stuff you were doing is abnormal. No honest people in this house. Like you realize all of a sudden, wait, 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 everything about the way I'm going about life is not normal. That's why we call this the new normal. It's not COVID, it's God's will that's the new normal. 
in a believer's life. Right? And so God's trying to teach him, here's how to actually, here's how you can be my people. But here's the catch. Here's where most people miss it because especially the struggle that we have reading the Bible is we are reading the Bible with Western mindsets, which means we're reading the Bible from a me, myself, and I standpoint. This is not the point of the Bible. The point of the Bible is, is how you live according to God's will in community. Every you that you find in the Bible is plural. So God is saying this is very important, catch, because we're going to spend time the entire 2023 trying to dissect this reality that, that God is saying, I didn't rescue you just for you. I rescue you to actually show the rest of the world what normal looks like. He takes this group of people and he says, you are going to be my model for normal living in the world. Did you know that? That's why he's so meticulous in Leviticus. Because he's saying, listen, from now on, I rescued you. So that now you're going to become my template for how I want the whole world to look, like, to look like. Did you know that's why God saved you? He didn't just save you for you. This is why it burns me up when I hear people talk about church like it's just about them. Like you will never understand the fullness of God's will if you're always thinking about church in terms of just you. That anytime you get offended, you want to leave and you want to get angry. You're going to get upset. That's not God's plan for his church. Okay. And, and if, if you're going to be in this thing just about you, you might as well go and do it by yourself because that's not God's plan. God's plan is for us together to model what it looks like to be God's people on earth. That's the purpose. That's the plan. See, us Americans, man, we, 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 we. Jack up everything because we're so selfish. Even church becomes about me. It's amazing what we can do with what God gave us. It's a template to live free and to teach others how to live free. And here we are jacking it up, and they do the same thing because after a while, they lost sight of the plan. The plan was never about you, Israel. The plan was about Israel blessing the world. And I got news for us today. Americans, the plan was never about you. The plan is about us blessing the world. That's the plan. So if your Christianity doesn't fit other people and it's just about what you want, then you missed it. You are still a slave. You're still in bondage. You're still greedy. You're still selfish. You're still corrupt to the core, and you're not living the holy life that he intended for you to live. Don't you understand this? That God is so serious about this when you begin to see how they live and, and, and individuals begin to violate God's command, it affected the entire community. It's the last day of the year. Let me tell you something straight up. Like the way you live in your life right now, you're affecting this entire community. Like you're shading us behind the scenes is affecting what God wants to do with all of us. Every decision that you're making behind the scene, every lie that you tell, every person you sleep with is not your wife. You're affecting all of us because God is a holy God. It won't stand for it. I don't know about you. I don't want to get to heaven and realize I was the reason why some of my community didn't see some of my blessings. 
Like we're singing about miracles, but the reason why we're not seeing more miracles is because not all of us are all in. We're not living the holy life that God intended for us to live. Go read about a man named Achan who jeopardized the future of Israel because he decided, I'm going to do my own thing on the side. And God's like, I'm not going to bless your community because you got sin in your camp. So this is very serious. I want to give my life to a community of people who are serious about living a holy life unto the Lord. So he says here, listen, here's how you live free. It's not only about you, it's about passing it on. Your free will affects all of us. Somebody today will get behind a wheel drunk and might get into an accident and affect other people's lives. Free will is a powerful thing. It affects all of us. Every decision that you make doesn't just affect you, it affects those around you. And those who have kids, my goodness, pay attention. Every decision that you make is affecting your children. For good or for bad. So this is why God is very meticulous. Because he's like, man, I want to bless you and I'm going to bless the world. But man, if you don't start paying attention to the little things that will bless your life, how in the world are you going to be a blessing to the world? So this is very serious. We don't want to play church. We don't want to pretend. We don't want to talk a good game, but then our actions are lacking. Sometimes it's not our actions. Sometimes it's our reactions. Man, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed sometimes of Christians in their reactions. This is last couple of weeks, man. The reactions we've had with some people in this church is embarrassing. It's embarrassing that we call ourselves followers of God when we're reacting like the world. This, this God will not bless anything that doesn't look like him. It's embarrassing. I would rather people say, I, I'm just going to church. I'm not really a follower of Jesus. We all get a black eye when you act a fool. All of us. It's embarrassing to raise your hand in church, but your hands are doing other things that shouldn't be doing. It's embarrassing to open your mouth and say, oh, amen, praise God, but your mouth is also cursing people and cursing others. It's embarrassing to, to open up your phone to the Bible app and then open up your phone to a porn app. It's embarrassing. This is not God's will. It's embarrassing that, that, that we're celebrating all that God did through the giving and you never tithe. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to say we're following God, but our lives don't match up. We need order if we're going to thrive. We need structure if we're going to thrive. Slavery is living in chaos. And the chaos sometimes is not even around you, it's in you. It's a chaotic mind. It's chaotic words, like, like you don't discern your words, you just speak. It's chaotic actions. There's no discernment in actions. We just react. Chaos will never lead to blessings. It will always result in more chaos and more deceit. See, true freedom is living the right way or the righteous way. It's elevating your daily routines. You know why? Because the point that God makes with Leviticus is that 
Every single thing matters. See, in God's economy, there's no departments and compartments. In God's economy, there's no such thing as I go to church, but then I live like hell during the week. In God's economy, there's no I do one thing at 3 o'clock in the morning, but I'm a different beast at 3 a.m. In God's economy, man, the way that you handle your body is the same way that he wants you to handle other people. The way you handle money, the way you handle your job, the way you handle your affairs, like all of it is spiritual. There's no departments in God's economy. The devil is a liar. We created those departments. So he has to spell this out meticulously to say, listen, this is what I meant when I say be my people. And if you want to live free, you need to elevate your daily routines. I was telling my wife, man, I'm reading Leviticus, I'm convicted, and I'm like, I got to start getting up and making my bed. It's that serious. The little routines, the little things that become big things. See, everybody right now is talking about some type of resolution. Forget resolution. Get a resolved spirit. Be resolving your spirit that you're not going to live like a slave. Make up your mind. Is it God or is it Satan? Make up your mind. Is it Jesus or is it the world? Like if it's the world, go all out. But if it's Jesus, you got to go all in. Like you can't live halfway. That's what Leviticus is saying. Listen, God was saying, listen, you're going to carry my name. I need you to carry it with responsibility. Did you know that's, that's what commandment number two means? Don't take my name in vain. He's saying, don't carry my name around like you don't know who I am. Don't be telling people about me if your life is not reflecting me. My name carries weight. The word Leviticus literally means Levites, priests. It says, man, I'm trying... It's literally a manual on how to be a priest. And did you know that it's God's will for all of us to be priests? Not some of us, all of us. Hey, this Levitical message is found in the New Testament. Did you know that Jesus, I was telling someone this week, I'm like, listen, you know how I reconcile every hard word in the Bible? I go to Jesus. If Jesus co-signed it, then I believe it. Jesus talks about Leviticus. See, we have a motto here. We say, love God, love people. You know the first time that people heard this was in the book of Leviticus. When Jesus says, love God, love people, he's quoting the book of Leviticus. He's saying, go back to the manual. We gave you the manual. We gave you the template of actually how to actually love God and people. Not like elusively, like trying to figure it out because that's what we do nowadays in our society. We kind of like, we we just add whatever we want to add. We take away whatever we don't like. But God's like, no, I gave you a manual how to love me and how to love each other. It's like, man, you're wondering, like if if someone wronged you, go to Leviticus because it tells you how to make amends with somebody. Says, man, you want to offer sacrifice? There's a right way to offer sacrifice. You know why Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted? Go read Leviticus. 
Because God's like, I have a methodical way of how I want you to approach me, and you can't take it lightly. Just think you can show up. Like every week, man, when I come up here to preach, people just come to church think like, hey, is this going to follow my lap? It's not going to follow your lap if you're not a living sacrifice that God wants you to live by. We approach God like we approach a hobby. We approach God like it's fantasy football. We approach God like he's a vending machine. We approach God like, like he's Santa Claus. We approach God like, like he lives for us. And we wonder why we don't see the fullness of God's blessing over our lives. Because we're not following the manual. He gave us a manual here. Of, he says there's a why behind everything I'm asking you to do. And it's up to you to pay attention to the details. The word Leviticus literally means Levite priest. And, and Peter, one of the close disciples of Jesus, understood this. And he says, listen, I want to remind you, all of you who say you're a follower of Jesus are meant to be a priest. Every single one of you. Look at how Peter puts it in his book, right? This is someone who walked with Jesus. He's, he's using the very Levitical message. In New Testament, because sometimes people are like, oh, that's the Old Testament. No, no. The Old Testament is the fulfillment of the new, and the new is foreshadowed in the old. So look, here's a, here's, a, here's a Jewish man who understands the Levitical law, and he says, look, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be what? To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God. In other words, you can't just offer up anything and think God's going to take it. That's why when we said, hey, we're going to buy this house and we're going to furnish it with brand new furniture, we don't want your stinking basement furniture. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Because we have a tendency to think God will take our leftovers. God's not going to take your leftover. Religion will take your leftover. But God's not going to take your leftover. God is a God of excellence. God wants your best. God is not going to settle for your lame offering. Go read it. He won't take lame animals on purpose. Did you know when Jesus came to the church and drove people away from the church, the reason why he did that is because they were offering lame sacrifices. It's like, man, this ain't it. It's not what God had in mind. He says, man, you turn into a den of thieves. You've turned it into a business where it's supposed to be a place of prayer and offering the right sacrifices. And he says, if you understand my sacrifice for you, now you become a living sacrifice. In a little bit, we're going to take communion. Did you know that this is the ultimate sacrifice? That if you come to communion half-hearted with sin in your life and you don't repent, that you're taking this thing in vain? Like, God doesn't have amnesia. He knows where you were last night. And without repentance, we will not see the Lord. We will not see the fullness of the Lord. In short, you know what consecration means? It means... The amount of unconditional surrender to God. That's what consecration means. God's like, if you say you're going to be mine, then be mine. 
Did you know the Bible says that God is a jealous God? He says, man, if you're going to be mine, be mine. I don't want you to be flirting with other gods. If you're going to be mine, be mine. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want my spouse to be flirting with other men. If you're going to be mine, be fully mine. So we've got to make up our mind as we go into a new year. Are we going to be fully God or are we going to play church? But man, listen. I'm giving my life to this thing. I, I would hate for you to stop my blessings. I would hate for this church to not see the fullness of God's will because we've got people in here who are just playing it. A consecrated life, if you go back and read Leviticus, if you just take this one chapter of Leviticus in 20, let me spell it out for you. God's very, very serious. He says, look, you want to be a consecrated life? You can't have no idols. In other words, you can't have anything that replaces me. He says, you want to live a consecrated life? You cannot have any unholy things in your life. He says, you can't be trying to pray to me and then, and then go after mediums and psychics. He says, you can't be asking me to bless you, but you open up doors to other unholy spirits. Like all of these nonsense that people do nowadays, prayer chains and, and beads and all this crap, it's all unholy things that God will not bless you for. He says, you, you, you want to live a consecrated life? You can't be in sexual immorality. He spells it out. He says, I, I spell that out for you. Like, he, he goes in details on this. He says, man, you can't be sleeping with anyone that is not your spouse. And he spells out everything here. Homosexuality, bestiality, everything is spelled out here. says, this is what it means to be a holy people, devoted to me, that other people can say, oh, that's how God's people should look like. That's how God's people should reflect. How are you going to praise a holy God when your phone is filthy and it's with you all the time? You can't have any unholy things. He says, listen, you got to crucify the flesh. Every part of you that doesn't honor God. You got to keep his commandments, he says. I hope it's more funny than the word that I'm preaching here, fellas. I hope you're getting this. Let's play in church because that's what we're here for. I remember one time my wife and I were looking for a house. We're still living in Rhode Island. We, we found a house and we're like, man, this is, this is it. We really like this house. We had, we had seen a lot of houses. We are like, this is the one, man. I love it. So I, I invited my brother-in-law who works with homes, and, and he builds homes to come see it because I wanted his input. I'm like, man, you know about this stuff more than I do. What do you think, man? We love this house. We fell in love with it. And he comes and looks at the house, and, and, he, and he does what he does, and he comes back, and he says, man, listen, I know you love the house, but it has termites in it. He says, I don't advise you to buy this house because sooner or later, you're going to have to rip up this whole thing because termites will eat at the house from the inside out. You know what that is? 
as hidden sin in our lives. We keep thinking we're good, but we keep sinning, and we're thinking God's going to bless us. And sooner or later, the whole spiritual house is going to corrupt. And sooner or later, God's going to expose the whole thing and show you that you are corrupting from the inside out. Proverbs 28, 13, go look it up. It says, people who, con- who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. You want to have a great 2023? Private purity will lead to public power. Private purity will give you public power. You know why I can preach to you with conviction? Because I know I live a pure life behind the scenes. That's why I can stand before you and as God's my witness, I can preach this stuff with conviction because I know the life I'm living. And I have to answer to him one day. And you will too. My prayer is that when we get before the Lord, we can't say I never heard it. Because it was spelled out week after week after week. And if you play church, that's on you. The people who conceal their sins will not prosper. No one's getting away with anything. God will bring everything to surface. The only difference between you and I is that I have to live it publicly. So it's easy for you to throw shade here because it's public. But if I put a hidden camera on you and follow you around, I wonder what we would find. I wonder if your criticism will come down a little bit. I wonder if your judgment will come down a little bit because you see someone live a public life. But let's put a spotlight on your life. Because holiness is really how you live your day-to-day. That's what God's looking for. Purity in the private. I can throw my phone to any of you. I don't even have a password. My wife can take it anytime she wants. Because that's freedom, man. Freedom is I have nothing to hide. So as we come to take communion today, my friends, don't take communion if you're not going to be consecrated. In Corinthians, people died because they took communion in vain. Paul said some of you died because you came to the communion table, but you didn't repent. You weren't serious about the Lord. You just did the ritual. You got to be serious about the Lord. The, the goal is holiness unto the Lord. It's fullness unto the Lord, becoming a living sacrifice unto the Lord. That's the goal. So if you're ready, take your communion cup. But before you take it, check for termites. Check your heart. Check your soul. Check your actions. Check your reactions.
Are you truly the Lord's? Are you truly committed to Him? Are you truly devoted to Him? Do you want all of His blessing in your life? Is every part of your life consecrated to Him? Or is there some part of you that's still holding on, doing your own thing? That's between you and Him, man. He already knows. When he told Adam, where are you, he wasn't, he wasn't oblivious to where Adam was. He was giving Adam a chance to take ownership to say, here I am. And the Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But if you confess your sins, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. The only thing that keeps us from God's mercy is our own pride. When we hold on to our own pride, like, I, I will never forgive. I will never forget. I, I, I. It's like, that's your pride. That's your pride keeping you from God's blessing. Private purity leads to public power. The Lord told me clearly, 2023 will be a year of discipleship. Discipleship, he says, if any man wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He never said go to church. He said follow me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to invite you to take a moment to pray a prayer of surrender to the Lord that this year belongs to Him. That we're going to live holy lives. by the power of his Holy Spirit. Take a minute. Talk with the Lord. Jesus.
Let's stand together. The Bible says when you understand the sacrifice of Jesus, there's only one thing left to do. is to become a living sacrifice yourself. That's holy and pleasing to him. He says that's the only way that you can repay God is by living a holy life that reflects who he is. You can't pay for your sins. You can only live a life of gratitude by reflecting him. So Father, I take a moment to pray that we would be living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing to you. It is the only act of worship that you accept. That we don't conform to the ways of the world, but we are transformed by renewing of our minds so that we may test and approve what is your pleasant, perfect, and goodwill. And I pray that this community will reflect you that this community will be a pocket of heaven on earth. That we are taking your word seriously. We're taking your commandments seriously. You're taking the mission seriously. That each one of us is called to be a priest in our own rights. So I pray today that you would fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit. That whatever we find ourselves during the week, we are being a reflection of who you are. That every time we come together for worship, it's a bunch of priests coming together. Wherever we find ourselves, we are there to represent you and to reflect you. So we give you this year that's ahead of us. We pray that you would have your way with each and every one of us. And we pray with gratitude in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. 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 As we go into a new year, my commitment to you is I'm going to do my part because I don't want us to miss it. But I would ask that you do your part. And if you're not up for it, that's your choice. But don't get in the way of what God's trying to do with us. Don't get in the way. I, I pray we are going to raise a church that's filled with mature believers.
The Bible talks about church like a marriage. In marriage, you have moments that you fight. You have rifts, you have ups and downs, but you make a commitment to each other. You, you make a vow. I did a wedding today. Right on the stage, two people made a vow to each other. And that's what church is. It's a vow. If every time things get rough, you get offended, you want to leave, what kind of relationship do you have? I've been with my wife. In two months, we'll celebrate 17 years of marriage. We still fight. She wins every argument. But we made a commitment. It's a vow. It's a vow. Your words have power. When you make a vow to someone, you're making a commitment. And if God brings you to a church, he's calling you to make a commitment. We play this thing way too loosely. And the way that I see this reality is, if you take the church vow loosely, you're going to take your marriage loosely. You're going to take your parenting loosely. You're going to take everything else loosely because you're not taking seriously what God ordained. So it's like one church this way. It's like, how many girlfriends do you have? People date the church. They don't marry the church. We're called to marry the church. Jesus called the church the bride. I don't know about you. I don't want to be the guy who was talking bad about Jesus' wife. That's the fight that I want to pick. When he goes down, I want to be like, Jesus, I was with your bride. Because <laughs> he says, I'm coming back for my bride, not my girlfriend. So I pray that we all are in. Because the stakes are high, man. I don't know if you know this, but the stakes are life and death. Life and death every day. And he says, choose life. Amen? Amen. Uh, God bless you.